1: What's up, everybody? It is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you on this Monday afternoon slash evening, depending on where you are watching. If you are tuning in live, and we are breaking down the mess, the fun, the thriller, the the everything that happened on Sunday between the Bengals and the Texans, and there was a lot of frustrations. Uh, there were a lot of frustrations. There were a lot of emotions in this game, and there was a lot of excitement, particularly towards the end. The Bengals showed that they can come back from a seemingly insurmountable deficit and uh, nearly win the game. But too many mistakes, too many things to overcome in this one, and they fall to the Texans 30-27 uh, to 27 at the gun there i'm anthony kazenza joined by john sharon you heard me yammer for a while yesterday about this but i wanted to get the take of the dude john um man that was uh that thing was all over the place yesterday
2: man that game had everything and we talked about you know we <laughs> i think we both predicted that the bengals would win but we both kind of saw that this you know the The timing of this game was definitely interesting. The ascension of the Texans and their star quarterback, who's going to be a star for a long time. Like Everything was kind of aligning for this game to feature some things that the past four weeks probably haven't featured. And the the Texans won, but the Bengals could have won if just one or two things, very simple things, had gone their way, and it it didn't happen. And uh, the better team won. And there is a bloke, a degenerate bloke in Florida who had five hundred thousand dollars to spare? Who's now five million dollars richer because of four four way parlay? Who who bets five hundred k on a four way parlay for the Texans? That's crazy. Oh, but at least yeah, someone's
1: happy. I, yeah, at least someone someone's happy, and a lot of other people are are happy. Man, we did a post game show yesterday, and the comments uh, the Texans fans were coming out of the woodwork on our YouTube channel comments. There, hey, good for them! Big win for them. Uh, They've got themselves a franchise quarterback for sure. They Look, the Bengals were dealing with a lot of injuries. The Texans were dealing with a lot of injuries as well. So let's not, you know, we can't just make a ton of excuses here. We're going to break down uh, what happened here. What are the biggest issues right now? What are the potential fixes? And talk about some defensive line problems that the Bengals have on the injury side of things, as well as take a look at the schedule and what's happening with that going forward for the Bengals, what they need to do to get back into that postseason race, potentially even a division championship once again, but um, it's going to take a lot of work on this back stretch here of eight games. Uh, If you're new here, welcome. Appreciate you tuning in. We had a lot of people tuning in live yesterday, right after the game. A lot of people Checked out our video. So uh probably a lot of new people, probably a lot of people from not necessarily Bangles circles, but we appreciate it. Nevertheless, if you are new here, you want to check out some Bangles content, and we talk NFL, AFC North stuff too. You can get uh you can get and subscribe underneath John there. A show, there is a show icon underneath there. So click that to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when new content is available when we go live, and of course, give us a thumbs up on the YouTube side of things. You can also give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. We stream live there. And, of course, if you like the audio side of things, whether you're a Stitcher person, a Spotify person, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple, any of that stuff, we are on all of those. So go subscribe. You'll get our show there as well as the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. So, John... I want to get your take on this because, you know, yesterday I kind of said, well, maybe this was just a fluky deal. The Bengals have these games. A lot of people have talked about, remember the 2021 game against the Jets, the Mike White game and, you know, all this kind of other stuff. They just have these games where, yeah, they score a lot of points and yeah, they do a lot of good things. They almost pull out the win, but they also still sometimes trip over their own two feet. And we saw a lot of that yesterday. So I know you've got a take about winning streaks in the NFL, which I think is a very savvy and logical one. But I also want to ask you, as as you talk through that, if you feel that this week was more of a fluke deal for the Cincinnati Bengals, or do you look back to early in the season and still see some things that may or may not be trends, and those are troubling going forward?
2: I, I struggle with fluke because a lot of the issues that they had yesterday like they've been issues even when they were winning consistently. The past five weeks, I think they've had, and that's ten opening script drives. Eight of them are touchdowns, and like two of them are field goals or something like that, or maybe one field goal and a punt. Drives three, four, and five remain to just be desolate. They're arguably the worst offense in the league in that specific time frame scenario, whatever you want to call it. And when you're facing up against a quarterback who is fearless and pushes the ball down the field and extends plays and just genuinely playing like an MVP candidate, it's going to lead you to some troubles. Even when the Bengals go up 7 nothing, all of a sudden you're down 13-7, and then 17-7, and then 20-10, or whatever the case may have been. It's, it's going to lead to problems if your offense just disappears, and that couldn't have happened in this game when the Texans just found ways to just beat the Bengals over the top time and time again. It was just deep over after deep over after play-action rollout after play-action rollout. The Texans had it in a, a phenomenal scheme, and Honestly the Bengals defense looked pretty clueless. Now 17 explosive plays is very much a fluke. It's the fourth most allowed by defense since 2000. It's yeah. it's a pretty big outlier, but it's not half of that is not like too uncommon from what we've seen for the Bengals this year alone. Like even against the 49ers they gave up like eight explosive passing plays and their defense stepped up when it counted and they had some, you know, key turnovers in this game that gave their offense chances but the offense didn't take advantage of that, and the Texans' offense just proved to be too potent for the the majority of the game. So I think similar themes stood out in this game where the defense had critical errors, and those errors were amplified by the lack of Sam Hubbard, by the lack of maybe Josh Tupo as well, and some of those absences, I think, kind of mattered. Then you had some of of the other players just not stepping up. You had Nick Scott having, unfortunately, another pretty bad game, and I think the, the linebackers just weren't just... On 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 top of things, and they kind of sacrificed the edge a little bit too much. And then again, on, on offense, it was just too little too late. And it's really hard to sustain that when your defense again runs into an offense that's capable of just making a, a normally sound defense look pretty clueless. So, um, I, I I again I, I struggle with the the comps the concept of a fluke because this was just a lot of the, their issues kind of really I- exposing themselves, and it just ended up against an offense that they just couldn't overcome.
1: Yeah, when we talked about, you know, this this topic of conversation before we took the air, we we kind of said, well, I mean, is there even actually an in the middle of a fluke or a trend? Um, and really, I guess the in the middle is, well, it's things that popped up early in the year that popped up once again, or or even a little bit throughout the win streak, like you said, but in the win streak, they were much much more capable of overcoming those than they were this week for some reason and and again when we talk about this defense a lot of people are you know there's a lot of talk going into this week oh Lou Anarumo and how he's able to clamp down on Josh Allen and the Bills and how he was able to clamp down on the 49ers for the better part of you know three plus quarters until it was garbage time and the Bengals had it in in control and there's truth to that definitely but this still remains a unit, John, that gives up a lot of yards, sometimes a lot of points and they rely on the big play, the big turnover. And it's, you know, in lieu of punts, they sometimes let the, let the other team go down the field a bit. Then they get the turnover. And while that's great, Uh, You know, the Bengals had what I think it was seven, seven points off of three turnovers overall, which is not a formula for success. If you turn the ball over three times, you get three turnovers, you create three of those and you get seven points. That's not good, especially on your, on your home field. But the problem is two of those turnovers came deep in their own territory, right? Because the the Texans had been marching a little bit. And so when they created those, the Bengals essentially had what amounted to a deep punt. Um, So there wasn't while there was some complimentary football being played there was you know, it kind of wasn't ideal complimentary football, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like this wasn't an interception made at midfield. This wasn't, you know, a a big return that, that, that took it back into Bengals territory. They were deep in their own field. The offense still didn't do their part for a portion of this game, a, a good portion of this game. And then of course you look at, at things Bengals are down 10 points. Burrow throws two uncharacteristic interceptions as well, one of which is in the end zone. So they were moving and they turned the ball over twice, uh, kind of as they were moving and, and potentially sacrificing points. So again, errors, errors, errors. And this was a game, I, I I said this yesterday, I hated this game from the get-go on the schedule. I hated it. Uh, whether it was, this was going to be a one-win team coming to Cincinnati at this point in time or four, like they were this week. I did not like where this game was placed. I know you don't believe necessarily, well, I don't want to speak for you, but you're not a big trap game guy. You're not a big you know, a proponent of that. And I want you to speak on that a little bit because we know it's hard to win in the NFL, much less five games in a row against quality opponent after quality opponent, uh, quality
2: opponent. That, that's exactly right. Like it, it's a cliche how the NFL is week to week, but the, the parody really has never really been stronger and I, I i the Texans deserve as much credit as they're getting right now because they did all that with like Noah Brown as the leading receiver he had, he had the game of his life and he and he truly stepped up because again his quarterback just found him time and time again and they kept drawing plays up that that just genuinely worked but when you go week after week after week with the same formula that, that continues to work, that sustainability it's just just hard in the nfl and some teams are able to pull it off because genuinely traditionally like it's just top of the notch quarterback play the Bengals were finally getting that but again right now the offense is just in a it's it's in a weird flux state where it looks really good out of the gate and they struggle to find some any type of rhythm from like the middle of the first quarter up until like the middle of the third quarter it puts a lot of the pressure and the onus on the defense and they're able to survive that like you said because they were generating turnovers and they were giving their offense extra chances and even though those extra chances ended up being punts they were chances taken away by the opposing offense from doing anything but again once you find once you run up against an offense that is averaging you know what is that like three explosive plays uh or one explosive play every three plays like that's just really really hard to to match up if you can't sustain that from an offensive perspective so the the thing with trap games is like people fall into it like oh like you know, the, maybe the team just wasn't mentally prepared for it or they underestimated the opponent. I don't think there was anything about that. I, I just think that continuing to sustain high level success and just winning and winning convincingly in the NFL is extremely tough. And eventually you're going to run into a team that's going to just catch you slacking just a little bit. And maybe that's where people kind of fall into the trap game type of narrative. But I, I just think that just the, the NFL is just harder than people kind of expected. And once you experience success on a week-to-week basis you think it's just sustainable it's truly not and maybe the maybe the eight game winning streak last year put 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 a lot of you know preconceived notions into people's mind like it can be duplicated (laughs) it's really tough man it's really tough and the Texans are just better than I think people give them credit for
1: yeah I I, hey credit to them because there was not a moment in that game where they flinched right I mean they could have gone in there, rookie quarterback rookie head coach you know they're missing some players on, on the injury front they're kind of, you know, it, it reminded me a lot, a little bit. I mean, it's not the same exact thing because the Bengals aren't, weren't undefeated like the chiefs were in Oh three, but it just reminded me a little bit of the Marvin Lewis going there and, you know, uh, just don't, don't flinch and uh, take care of a big win that is really a, a builder for the, the franchise and the new direction that they're taking. So, um, you know, and I don't want to overstate that because we don't know exactly where the Bengals will go this year. But I mean, that's a big win for the Texans, and it felt like, like you said, they've they've been a big play offense. They didn't shy away from that. Their defense was flying all over the field, and they were physical, physical, physical in the trenches. That's what surprised me the most a little bit here. You know, the Bengals. I th- I, I said it yesterday on the post game show: one sack, four quarterback hits on their from their defense. They got the three turnovers, which was great. On the other side of the ball. Four sacks, nine quarterback hits on Joe Burrow. And and then you look at the other, you know, the flip side of that whole thing. The Bengals had less than 70 yards rushing as a team. The Texans had, God, I can't remember, 160, 150, something like that as a team with with Singletary having the game of his life uh, yesterday as well. So they really took it to the Bengals and uh, you know, that that score we talked about really the scores of the Bengals with the 49ers and, and the Bills not being necessarily as close as the game, you know, the games weren't as close as those scores would indicate. You could kind of make the same argument here, especially when the Bengals were down ten with what, five minutes left to play?
2: I mean, the, the Texans could have easily lost this game. If Boyd just makes the catch, they're up by four and you're forcing I will be if Stroud did this last week. But you're forcing them to drive now to the end zone instead of just driving down to the 30-yard line. Boy, makes the catch. The Bengals still somehow miraculously win this game, which is why I think it, it's important to just not go to the ledge yet because you can play this badly and you still have Joe Burrow who can just you know pop pop on his cape, even despite the two fourth quarter interceptions, but and, but make plays that will always keep you in these games. Which is why, despite these obvious trends that were exposed in this one, and and despite you know, just, just the letdown of a performance against a team that they were favored against. Like they they probably should have beat this team. They had more talent on the field. Like though I don't think anyone's discrediting that. Despite all of that, they still almost won this game based because a pretty sure handed receiver dropped a wide open wide open touchdown pass. That's just how the game goes sometimes.
1: Well, I want to talk about this, uh, and we know, you know, I, I actually kind of loathe this topic a little bit, which is the game plan, the play calling, you know, that sort of thing. But it came into play a little bit here, and we had a couple of comments from you know, that I pinned up earlier from a couple of our great listeners. LeVar Hollis uh, had one about, you know, once they go off script, and then there was another one in here as well. But also, Mr. Whisper, thank you once again for your generosity. Tanner Hudson looked good, uh, looked phenomenal in the first quarter, not just first quarter, the first drive. He had five catches on the first drive, and then two other targets throughout the rest of the game, one more catch, and that was it. Now granted in the first drive a couple of those were real plodding short short plays and so you go okay you can't i mean you can't really rely on that all game but you know when when you're you're trying to sustain some drives on offense and you're trying to do some different i mean the, the tosses the the toss sweeps or whatever those aren't working i mean they, they tried it again on one or two occasions this week that that, that didn't work again and so you're trying to sustain drives. I mean, Boyd on one of those drives dropped a second and nine right in the bread basket. That would have continued that drive, and it didn't. Um, I don't know. I they, they kind of went away from what they scripted and worked in that opening drive, which was Hudson. They tried to hit him a couple of other times. Didn't work, but I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like th- there was some stuff you could continue to build upon throughout this game on that first drive, and they seemed to get away from that. And then, oh, by the way, Jamar Chase was a ghost the first quarter and a half, two quarters. And then you have Brian Callahan making comments. I believe it was today. Uh, The ones I saw were via Mike Petraglia at uh, TRAGS on Twitter saying something to the effect, and I don't want to misquote it, but something to the effect of we didn't know exactly how healthy Jamar was going to be or what he could do this week because of the back injury. Um, And so that's kind of like, well, I don't know. It just, all of that kind of causes a little bit of like I, a shoulder shrug and a, huh?
2: Yeah. That, that, I mean, when he scored the touchdown, which was, that was vintage, you know, Burrow and chase that reminded me of the LC days. It was the thought like, oh yeah, he's still in the game and you just didn't see him for the yep. vast majority of it. And I think, I think there was some weight to that. Like there was um, just uncertainty of how much he was able to do. He I think he caught like a slant, took like a pretty big hit over the middle of the field, but he yep. appeared fine. He got up pretty quickly. I think it was also one where like he hit his head pretty hard. So, you know, he he got through the game, and you obviously want to see him involved more if he's out there. If he's out there, you just assume that he's fully capable of playing. Especially in a game when, again, T. Higgins is not on the field. You have this three-way rotation of tight ends. Your most reliable option is Jamar Chase. You want to target him more than six times. Honestly, you just if there's a game where he has less than 10 targets there's probably a failure in the gameplay in general it's it's just it's bizarre um i i think there's definitely complaints about uh the, the lack of balance in terms of pass versus run the Texans came into this game as a better run defense team than they were against the pass so i think that was part of uh the, just the overall plan um but yeah like the i i continue just to look at that section of drives where it was the average depth of target was like four yards, I think, and like and most of them were just a boy on the, on just these quick outs where I think they just maybe underestimated the, te- the Texans secondary, and yeah, it just it just led to nothing. Like there was a chance to extend this lead, um, you know, the, the Texans turned the ball over early in the or sometime in the first quarter, and the Bengals went punt, 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 punt to end the half and. <laughs> and, then the, the, and, the, and then the game script got out of the hand and that, and that's where i, I think you, you you will then see the Bengals kind of go back to what what they want to do or maybe fall into their tendencies where they're you know they, they try to get away from them where they're only exclusively out of shotgun and they have the same two run concepts and they're trying to get the quick passing game going because now you have the pass rush for the opposing team kind of on its uh, kind of you know pinning its ears back and sheldon rankins and jonathan grenard and will anderson they all had solid games so uh, the, the, like, the Texans survived the early part of the storm because the Bengals' offense continues to not be able to get out of its own way. Commuted.
1: Man, punt, 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 punt to end the first half, and then the Texans get the ball out of half. It's like, oh, yi Um, So, yeah, I mean, that, they didn't do themselves any favors. There was just a lot of stuff, though. I mean, even, even their ability to bounce back from it, you know, uh, the the one interception where I think I think it was to Sample um or Hudson maybe was it to Hudson it where he was kind of doing okay it's yeah
2: a, Sample it, it was supposed of, to go vertical on that and he kind of just yep. ran a little bit of a post and that's why the pass was off, and it, yeah
1: and then there was the other one I think they ended up getting a touchdown with Mixon after all but it was a first down play he had Irwin wide open uh, it in that in that kind of flat area uh and, and you know there' was kind of a miscue there in terms of it, uh, it appeared in terms of what each guy thought they were gonna do. Um, so there's just that stuff i mean they, they were able to overcome some of it but there's it, it just it felt like a day of just frustrations where it's just like man this is just not uh, things just aren't clicking the way they had been over the past month and uh you know it, it, it's it, it was pretty. It was frustrating to watch. It was exciting to see him come back, obviously, but, uh, you know, fell just short. I, I want to talk about this. We talked, I mean, obviously the big the big deal now is Trey Hendrickson. And, you know, how, is he going to miss time? How much time is he going to miss? He already had the ankle issue that he suffered against San Francisco. Now he's got this, I mean, on the last freaking play of the game uh the uh, Noah Brown who just apparently didn't do enough damage against the Bengals all day <laughs> he had to, he had to roll backwards into Trey Hendrickson thus causing a, a hyperextended knee Ian Rappaport of NFL Network uh, says it's a, a, probably a short term um short term issue or cause him to miss time short term type of thing we'll see exactly what that means and how long that is i would assume that that Thursday night uh, is probably in doubt, which is a shame because now it looks like Ronnie Stanley maybe in question of, of playing as well. So that would have been a matchup you wanted to kind of take advantage of in this one. But I, I want to talk about the guys that we haven't seen both the, this past week and really the last couple of weeks, John. And I felt like their absences, even though they're, they, they don't make as consistently the big plays, the big quarterback sacks, that sort of thing that Trey Hendrickson does. But I feel like when you see Devin Singletary rush for, what was it, close to 150, I think, 140, 150, um, and, and there were no answers out there, and there was some stuff where he would maybe cut out and, and avoid some tacklers, I feel like this was a game where the Bengals missed a big Josh Tupo, uh, his presence in the middle, middle, who has been, uh, he's been missed the last couple of games uh, with a shoulder issue. And then Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard is a guy who's a very well-rounded edge defender. We know he does a lot of different things. You know, Sometimes he'll play the spy against Lamar Jackson. Sometimes he sets the edge really well against the run, that sort of thing, kind of like what we saw for years with Michael Johnson and Robert Gathers, but he adds a little bit more consistent pass rush to Hubbard in that regard. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to make excuses about the injuries, but I think not many people are mentioning these two guys for this week, and I think that their absences played a bigger role than uh, maybe meets the eye On the surface, here,
2: I mean Trey Hendrickson is a phenomenal player. He's never been touted as a high quality run defender. He's aggressive, but sometimes that aggression gets the best of him. So basically, out there, yeah, DJ Reader and everyone else, and it's hard for a nose tackle to do it all by himself, especially when a lot of the runs were going off tackle or going to the c gaps. I think like the the absence of Hubbard, I don't think can be overstated because the the displacement that he causes against. Right tackles. It, it's really hard to run to that side because it, it makes the linebackers' jobs a lot easier to scrape over the top or to or to knife through that gap because of the work that he's doing at that point of attack. When you have Cam Sample out there or Miles Murphy or whoever it is who are not displacing enough and are maybe a little bit too slow off the snap and aren't reading the play as quickly, it it makes the whole process a lot more slower and a lot less efficient. And again, like it, it's not, it's not it's never been that hard to run. Towards Trey Hendrickson's side in the first place, so unfortunately, the the Bengals' lack of depth showed itself, and I think more so than the Texans' depth, who again, like they had a ton of guys playing for injured starters, and you know, I think they played better than the back half of the Bengals' roster, which was a a big theme in this one, and it's something that you know you talk about in the preseason and training camp, you know, when you see those guys play consistently, are they going to be able to play significant snaps? How? Much in trouble are these position groups going to be if there are injuries, and like that's just what we saw against Houston, um a, a team that attacked the Bengals horizontally. When there's just not a, there, there's so, there's more speed than it used to be, but when you have again injuries that forces guys to play a little bit slower, it just it just compounds that issue.
1: It does, and then the other thing too that I thought about today, man, was this was finally the game where you felt, and I don't want to put the onus on you know, the two guys that I'm, that were, or three guys, I guess that I'm, I'm going to talk, but this was kind of the game. You really felt the, uh, the Jesse Bates and Von Bell absences. I, I feel like this was a game where it just Dax Hill was, you know, on those long drag routes across where Noah Brown, he, he just seemed, you know, a step, a step or two away from, you know, just read it late. Uh, you know, Nick Scott, we saw him really misread a a run where he was blitzing and got juked out of his shoes on that one and it led to a big gain and then he was late on another uh at least one other reception so you know it's just kind of one of those games where you go man that that experience uh and and the skill set of both Von Bell and Jesse Bates in this one this was finally that game where I really was like man that's this this is the one that that stung without them here
2: I mean you had Mike Hilton take five snaps as a free safety in this one I think primarily just to get guys in line which is also, I think, beneficial for you know the athlete that he is at this point. But yeah, it was. And I think part of it was the fact that Stroud had, had a lot of time for those players well, to yeah. develop, and yeah, yeah I, I I think Dax had arguably his worst game as a starter. And I mean, we we've said quite a bit about Nick Scott through the first nine games. I think it's probably time to see Jordan Battle take a bigger chunk of of, of his stats. I also just wanted to to, to quickly mention kind of transitioning to. Uh, the Bengals offensive line, because there was a pretty big disparity in terms of pressures allowed and sacks allowed. I think the Bengals offensive line was charted with like four uh, sacks on like 19 pressures. And I thought it was interesting because, again, like it, it's week to week and all that and all that stuff. But against the 49ers, who D'Amico Ryan's obviously used to coordinate their defense. Now it's Steve Wilkes. And that's still a really talented 49ers defensive line. Bengals offensive line played play pretty well uh, against the 49ers defensive line. And against the D'Amico Ryan's defensive line with a lot of younger talent, less proven talent, they they confused the hell out of them. And Sheldon Rankin's had the game of his life, and there were still issues with stunts and twists. I think that was also maybe a factor that we were kind of overlooking. D'Amico Ryan's not only is a phenomenal culture setter, but he's a pretty damn good defensive coordinator for the, for the 49ers. And I think that there's been a big drop off for them as they're trying to replace him with, with Steve Wilkes. And maybe that was something that we could have foreseen a little bit.
1: Tough reminder, I said it yesterday for those who forgot, the Bengals made a big push for Sheldon Rankins in free agency back in 2021. Uh, that was the guy that they targeted and wanted, and then ultimately, when they lost out to him to the New York Jets, that's when Larry Ogan Joby came into the picture, and then ultimately later B.J. Hill as well, but that was the guy they wanted. They wanted him back, right. and, and that was a guy, when he came out in the draft, that they really liked as well years ago. And so, you know, seeing him and his name pop up and have, you know, and I, if I remember correctly, I think when the Bengals played the jets, when he went over there a couple of years ago, the old Mike white game that we mentioned, I think he had a pretty good game against the Bengals then as well. If memory serves, I'd have to go back and look, but this was a guy that the Bengals coveted for a really long time, be it in the draft or in free agency, didn't get him, And he comes back and, and, you know, uh, haunts him this, this Sunday here. So, uh, Good game by him. Not so great by the Bengals offensive line. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a a miracle given the fact that they threw two interceptions, given the fact that they had four straight punts to end the first half, that they scored 27 in this one, quite honestly, uh, and and had the chance to win it should should Tyler Boyd catch that football. Well, I I don't want to belabor this a ton either, John, but You kind of mentioned, and this was one that I thought was, uh, we just talked defensive line, okay? And you, we talked about Hendrickson now, probably my guess is that he will miss this Thursday just because it's a short week going on the road, et cetera. Um, We talked about Hubbard. He didn't practice as of Monday. So who knows what happens there? And then of course, you know, we've got all these other, pieces here that you say that you mentioned this week that really were kind of ghosts this week um cam sample miles murphy after having a a good game rookie year against the uh the bills on on sunday night here i I don't know so i guess i mean one of the things that they got to fix and they got to find a way to fix it one of their biggest issues is find a way to generate pressure with or without hubbard and or hendrickson and how the hell do they do that because they blitzed – we've seen him blitz Nick Scott, and that's come with mixed results at best. We've seen Mike Hilton do it in the past. He's had some big plays, but it hasn't been as prevalent this year. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, what's what's the fix here? Is it the linebackers? Is it just scheming the, the young guys to get in there? I, I don't know. I, I I don't really have a good answer for that.
2: You talking to me? You, you looking at me because I don't know either. <laughs> man, like I, H- <laughs> Hendrickson not – Hendrickson not playing is 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 huge. Um, he's day to day, I guess. Technically, the short week is just not not ideal, though. Um, maybe, maybe if this game was on Sunday, there'd be a obviously a higher chance that he plays. But you're looking at a situation where in, in this game it could be two backup edges against two backup tackles for the Ravens. I think Ronnie Stanley is also kind of day to day, and I, mm-hmm. for losing who the right tackles. I think it's Morgan Moses. He's also on the mend as at, at the moment. So pa- rushing. Lamar Jackson is already kind of a, a mystery. They, they had definite issues with a fully healthy defensive line against the battered Ravens offensive line back in week two. I think they were just continuing with, with just the must, the mush rush plan. assuming this was the same Ravens offense and it was obviously, it's obviously not the Ravens offense continues to be a pretty self-sufficient uh, unit. And now they're going to have to adjust, I think without both their tackles, but yeah, the Bengals defensive line, I think they, they, they found something when they had Hubbard and Hill on these on these tackle and uh, twists and games. And, you know, Hill was having one of his best seasons. It's harder to do that when you have Miles Murphy in, in there who's not as refined and his timing is a little bit off and, you know, his hand usage is off. There was one play in specifically um, when they were trying to do that and Murphy basically got pushed into B.J. Hill instead of just taking that gap. And it's like that. that's just it's the difference between a veteran who knows where to be and has, has spatial awareness and has you know, proper awareness with his hands and everything compared to a rookie who's still just getting used to the flow of the game. It, it's tough to scheme all those guys when you when you have to rely on schemes so much because you can't rely on your pass rushers off the edge to win those one on one battles. So it just might have to just be hopefully you, you drop eight and you and you pray that your secondary gets the job done, because I, I don't know if they can, if they can win in four. And I think blitzing the Mars is a very dangerous plan.
1: It is a dangerous plan because of over pursuit and him him gashing you that way there. So, uh, I, I yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you you're saying it kind of tongue in cheek, like, hey, you talking to me? Um, but I I don't have a good answer for it either. Um, you know, the Bengals will, and it really just may come down to maturation and bigger and and where is Joseph Osai? I mean, I I can't figure that one out, and where where he has been. I I had high expectations. I know he had the high ankle sprain come coming into this regular season, and it may have been a slower start to be expected because of that. But man, I just expected him to have a really nice year this year, and and I hoped for it too, based on how the year ended for him last year. But he's just been a, a, a mystery and completely vanished for the most part in terms of a a pass rush threat. So um, the other thing, John, I think what we're witnessing a little bit is offensive team speed outside of Jamar chase. Uh, I I think we are witnessing a problem there. Now I think we like Tanner Hudson and what he has done at the tight end position, but he's not fast for his position. Um, You know, you look at uh, Yoshi's got some speed, but he's down in the pecking order, right? Uh, Tyler Boyd, I, he's not, he's not your speedy guy. You saw him, he had the the big play to get you down to the end zone. Had he had a little extra juice, he might have just hopped into the end zone straight away on that play and outran some of the defenders there. So the Bengals, and then you look at the running back position. I mean, Mixon, we know what, what he can bring you. His speed's okay, but he's not a speedy back, obviously. And then the guys behind him really aren't providing too much at this point. Chase Brown's still on IR. Um, I don't know, man, they, they need to figure out some, find someone dynamic on this side of the ball aside from chase to stretch the field and, and give a little bit of a threat.
2: I, I know Lavar Le- Le- LeVar Hollins, Hollis has been screaming this in the comment section for 30 minutes. I think, <laughs> I think Andre Yosevich got hurt early in the game. And I think he came back maybe a little bit later, but something happened with him, which is why I don't think he was used. I think there was two often. things.
1: I think it was a yeah. hand and a knee, maybe like at two different times, maybe I think.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it was expected that Irwin was going to play more than him regardless. They Obviously, trust him with the opening draft touchdown. Um, Hudson, it, it, he remains interesting to me because he moves well for a tight end. He looks very natural as a receiver. And that's something that the Bengals just didn't have for the first eight weeks, uh, other than him playing for a couple of weeks when Irv Smith was injured. But he's not like a one-on-one nightmare against cornerbacks or, or linebackers. Like I think he does well. When plays are schemed for him, and he's got a, he's got obviously reliable hands. I think he's got a good catch radius too. Um, there was that one play on the sideline where you know I, I think a better tight end drags that other foot down. He only got it's one up. foot down, yeah. He, yeah but yeah. He, he made a good catch. You know, I, I think he ran a good route. But there's just there, there's just more that you that you still desire out of that position. I think he's he's totally fine to to give a handful of targets in a game, but you you're still left with more. And, and you're right, like there's still that lack of speed on, on offense. And I think T Higgins may not be the fastest player and he may never will be, but at least he, like he understands what his athleticism is. And he's obviously very experienced and comfortable running the routes that he's supposed to run. And and that I think just gives off that he plays faster than maybe what his time speed is. And right now the Bengals have a lot of inexperienced guys who either don't have a lot of starting experience or don't have a lot of experience in general playing alongside Jamar chase on this offense, which is why it's hard to rely on, you know, some of these guys making consistent plays when it's just Tyler Boyd out there, who, again, like, I think when they were finally aggressive, when they had to be like, Boyd was obviously in position to make those plays. They wouldn't have gotten down to the, obviously to the red zone without him making that 54 yard catch and run that he almost scored on. But again, like Mm -hmm. outside of some of those opportunities, like he's, he's again, not this crazy, you know, uh, you know, quick twitched, fast guy by any means that can beat like the best cornerbacks or anything so it's still an issue when when they're down a a lot of these guys and hopefully you know charlie jones can come back and obviously he's he's a pretty good athlete and it it would benefit them for using yosavis more when he's healthy
1: it it would uh they they got to figure out some things with that though and they need to find some some ways to i i mean hey the other the other flip side of that is hey you know who else could compliment chase with speed and, and agility and all that kind of stuff. But then we also complained earlier that they weren't getting the ball to chase early in the game either. So it's kind yeah. of like, well, maybe that, maybe the answer is just right in front of you, right? Maybe it's just like, Hey, I, you gotta feed that guy, the ball. I mean, if he's not healthy, he's not healthy, but you gotta feed him. Like you said, at least if you're not giving a look his way and throwing the ball, his way 10 times a game, that's an egregious mistake. Uh, because one of those is bound to be some sort of superb play based on what we've seen from him and and like you said with Higgins again yeah I mean maybe we're we're, we're grasping a little bit for you know uh talking points looking for team speed and stuff I, I do agree with you that that Higgins knows his skill set Higgins is very good at finding you know reading spacing and defenses and and w- with his routes and whatnot I think he's very very adept at that obviously Boyd he's he's fast enough he's he's solid he's a solid receiver but my point, I mean, he was, what, a 4'6 four, four, receiver coming out. I mean, he's not a speed guy. He's not a speedy guy. So I think there just needs to be someone else. I mean, you saw this back in the mid-2000s with the Bengals. Chad was, was kind of the do-it-all. He was fast. He could go deep, and he could also take some of the short stuff hoosh was your was your you know slot guy chain moving guy and then you know you had henry that was kind of your big play ran a sub four four type of type of guy so may and and henry at that point was down the pecking order and so maybe he you got to find a guy whether that's yoshi or somebody that hey let's 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 keep let's keep the defense honest a little bit let's try and pop the the lid off of this thing with somebody else besides chase but um what other one other issue before we get to our last talking point here on on the aftermath, John, what's another big issue? We talked about pass rush. We talked about maybe offensive team speed. What what's another one that you see and and maybe a possible remedy for that going forward?
2: It's um, it it's been kind of prevalent now the past three weeks. No offensive tackle has given up more pressures than Orlando Brown. He's given up twenty one since going back to Week Eight against the Forty Nine ers. Terrence Steele is second second to last, I should say, with 15. This is more of a recent problem. I think he was pretty solid and stable for the first six weeks. I think he's ran into some matchup issues maybe over the past three weeks. Uh, he's up against Nick Bosa, against San Fran. I think uh, Jonathan Grenard got under his pads a little bit. I, I still think back to, uh, it was pretty late in the game. The Bengals, it, may, it might have been the third, like late in the third quarter, but the Bengals were kind of in scoring position, and they drew up a great play to get, I think, Tyler Boyd on a corner route and he was open. He had separation, and Orlando Brown lost almost immediately on like just a little stunt. And Joe Burrow took a sack, and essentially a field goal at that point was the same as a punt because the Bengals were still down. I think either ten or seven. At the, I think they're still down ten because they were down thirteen initially. That that sack to led to a field goal was was huge. It, it affected how the rest of the game kind of went at that point. Orlando Brown's pass protection needs to improve. It's it's been pretty bad in recent weeks. It has obviously the potential to get better. And in this game, especially Alex Kappa played horrendously. But that, that's not pretty that's not been normal. This the standard for him. Mm-hmm. Again, Sheldon Rankins mm-hmm. went off. Cordel Volson's gonna have those up and down games. I think Jonah Williams has been pretty stable, but you know, Linda Brown is considered like the rock of this offensive line. He he's the left tackle and he drew he draws the toughest assignments and he needs to play up to that caliber. And so far he's just, he just hasn't been playing up to it recently.
1: Yeah, maybe not so coincidentally, the struggles that he has had in past pro, not only matchup situations, but he did have that groin issue going into the bye. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's still something that's that's bugging him. I don't want to make excuses for him. We, I mean, he's we had him on a long time ago when he first joined the team, and he doesn't seem like an excuses kind of guy. I mean, he's he's a and he's always been a high caliber player in the league um so i mean we expect things to turn around there but uh yeah i mean i think especially going forward when you're playing a baltimore defense when you are playing the steelers defense twice uh the, the browns one more time you this offensive line has got to play better than we saw this last week they just it's not even really an option at this point we're seeing seeing some of the others here uh nick, you know nick scott unfortunately just him being singled out is one of the biggest issues um this is a good one here too rick essing tackling is an issue on defense that's been an issue all year a little uh, you know again i don't know i, I don't want to just point to the safeties uh, but missing those two in a single season quarterbacks too but yeah yeah bell and bell and bates there that's uh, something of an issue. And that's always been a, a real strong point of Lou Anarumo defenses. Aside from the very first year that he and Zach came on board here, uh, and there was you know running game. I saw another one. Uh, somebody else said, but the running backs, etc. So, yeah, there. I mean, there's some there's some issues here, but the Bengals have have shown they've been able to overcome a lot of this stuff and get wins or almost pull out an improbable win like the <laughs> the one we just saw yesterday. Um, so, I, I want to talk about this here and I I put this out there and I don't know if anyone agrees with it. I kind of went Charlie Kelly on the whiteboard, you know, all kinds of different, you know, did my own little math thing here, but I, so Bengals have eight games left. Seven of those eight are against AFC opponents. The Bengals are are what one in four in the conference right now. Um, So seven of those eight are in conference, and four of those eight, four of those seven, I guess, four of the seven AFC games are division games. I just, loose math, this is more for a wild card berth, not necessarily a division title at this point, but I think the Bengals need to win at least five total games on the back half, get to 10 wins to be able to get a wild card berth. I think of those five wins, four or five of them need to be AFC wins um, in the conference. And then of those four or five wins, another three or four of those need to be in the division. So if you're staying with me here and then to get one layer further, if you're, if you're talking only three division wins that the Bengals net on this back, back part of the schedule, I think it's gotta be one against each team. You get, you gotta have a win against each one of those teams. Um, Now that's just kind of my, rough math especially with the scrum for playoff spots right now that's kind of my rough math Uh, now granted you get 10 wins you're likely going to get a spot but you have to if you're the cincinnati Bengals, you have to start collecting wins in the conference and in division wins here too because ultimately you could get into a scenario where maybe you only have nine wins maybe you have ten wins and there's all kinds of tiebreaker scenarios Given how tight this division race is, given a loss to the Texans in your earlier AFC conference record, John, I, I just feel like the Bengals need to start winning these conference games and division games on this back schedule to to really solidify themselves for the postseason.
2: And this is how a season ends up looking more towards expectation by the time it's over, because you have so many of these conference matchups in the back half of the schedule. Or they could easily, like you said, they could easily get to 10 wins with most of them being against AFC opponents. I don't know if they can beat the Vikings at this point. Josh Dobbs is just an incredible story that I don't think can be stopped at this point, but no, um, no, I mean like it's, it's not only just AFC opponents. It's I think they're all in the playoff hunt because, because it's all four or all three teams in the AFC North. The Colts are still hanging in there with a surprisingly pretty decent AFC South. Uh, obviously the chiefs um, you have the jet ja- and the Jags as well. So, all teams that are going to be competing for one of those spots, one of the seven spots that the Bengals had uh, 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 before this past week. So we, we've, seen it, we've seen them do it before, um, but th- this is just why teams who start 0-2 and 1-3 and and typically don't find themselves playing in January. It just, it just leaves you with very minimal margin for error. And I think it's just the time now to see, if something that you said a couple of weeks ago about Maybe this team just plays its best when its back is up against the wall, when everyone is just raining doubt on them. And I don't I don't think there's it, – it's not over if they lose Thursday night, but the the race for the division is likely over at that point. And then you're just scrapping to see if you can get a road playoff game to start the postseason at that point. But it, it's, it's more or less pretty much now or never now. And it's not just because you barely lost to the Texans at home. It's because of how – tumultuous the start of the season was and how just little margin of error you had after one and three
1: you've dug yourself a a big hole for the Bengals here now look uh, this is courtesy of espn i'm trying to find the best layout for a a schedule here i've been scouring a lot of different sites i guess this is okay to look at Um, you can see here you got obviously the houston right there uh but then you go okay so just as a refresher at baltimore then you're home for pittsburgh after a week and a half rest on that one then you have a a little bit of a longer week uh, again for the monday night game at jacksonville you go on the road then a shorter week to what i I mean i guess it's a pretty winnable game indianapolis at home talked about the vikings they're on a roll that's your lone nfc game there on the back part of the schedule here then you go to pittsburgh this one to be determined. By the way, I don't know if they're going to flex that thing or what. What. What the heck they're doing with that thing? Then you go to Pittsburgh for a later game the day before Christmas Eve. Then you have uh, in another another away game, another late one against Kansas City, and then you've got the Cleveland game on the seventh. So again, right here, it's. I mean, it's a ton of AFC teams, and to me, if you're going to get to five wins, I, I, at least three of those have to come against the division. Um, I guess if you sweep sweep the Steelers instead of winning on Thursday night. I mean, I guess that's a plus two. I, I think you but my my point in saying you got to get all three is um I think if you have a division split and you have a win against each opponent, that just helps you for all, all kinds of different tiebreaking uh standpoints and and everything with that. Even if it does come down to a division uh you know a division stake. That's the kind of stuff that you need to start you need to start doing and and you need to start beating and prove to yourselves too that you can beat each one of these teams, regardless of the venue here. So, I think it's five wins against eight is is doable. Um, but there are some tough, tough games on the back part of this this stretch
2: here. I mean, you have to win in your division for nothing else, because no one else can beat them, right? Like the only the only people, the only teams, the AFC North teams lose to are apparently AFC North teams, aside from the Bengals. <laughs> the Steelers are on this win streak, despite being outgained in all nine games. It's the most Steeler thing of all time. The Browns had probably no business coming back and beating the Ravens at Baltimore. They did it anyways. The AFC North is crazy, especially when all these teams collide, which is why Thursday, I don't think really anyone truly knows what's going to happen, especially now that both teams are coming off of losing at the buzzer from field goals. But yeah, like the AFC North teams keep winning. You got to beat them because apparently the only time that they can lose is, is if one of them just takes them down. And guess what? If you do make the postseason,
1: you're probably going to be facing one of those AFC North teams again, <laughs> uh, and it may not be at home. So, I mean, you, like you said, you got to prove that you can you can get the win when it's needed here. So that is a little bit of a schedule breakdown. Again, I, I still contend at least five wins. You know, three in the division at least, and uh, probably four, if not five, of those as conference wins. Going forward, we'll see what the Bengals are able to achieve. This has been the Orange and Black Insiders Aftermath episode. We usually do this a day or two after the most recent game, breaking down things, talking about what we saw, what what needs to happen, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly a little bit. And that's what we have done today. I want to remind folks to subscribe to our YouTube channel underneath John there by the Cincy Jungle icon. You can click that YouTube uh, show icon, click that. Click the subscribe button, click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And of course, if you like what we're doing, give a thumbs up to the video. You can also check out the video on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. So give that a thumbs up as well. And we stream live to the Cincy Jungle YouTube. I think it it does the uh we call them the Spaces now. I think that's how they, how they stream live there. So uh, check that out if and when you can. And, of course, if you like the audio side of things, our show, Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, Coach Speak with the coach, Matt Minnick, is, uh, all, and, and, of course, Three and Out with Jason Kevin. All of those are on your favorite audio streamer. So uh, subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and leave us a review, hopefully a five-star one if you would. CincyJungle.com has your... News, opinions, analysis, podcasts, videos, all kinds of stuff. And my guy, John, is doing his thing at A to Z Sports. Check the lid there. Looks like he's repping that right there. So he's doing great work there. So you got to go to A to Z Sports. Check out John's work on not only the Bengals, but the AFC North for some great news there. Let's get out of here, John. I don't know if you got a mic drop or not, but uh, let's start scooting, my friend.
2: Uh, the only thing I got to say, I hope Scott Barzilla's wife finally buys him that beer. He earned it after this weekend. <laughs> Incredible name.
1: Oh, man. Uh, right when I had a, a drink of water, you almost you almost had me do a little bit of a spit <laughs> take there. Um, yeah, yeah. He was great. He was great. Uh, really nice guy. And he hey, he called it, man. We said, I don't know if we see a shootout here, right? I don't think we see that. Uh, and I mean, man, 57 points. Uh, I, I know there was a lot of turnovers and a lot of wackiness towards the end there. I mean, it was, a, it was a high scoring, exciting game. So he kind of called it Uh good to have him on. Who knows? Maybe if both teams make the playoffs here, I mean, the, the Texans are surging man and uh, they, I know both teams make the playoffs. Maybe we'll, we'll get to chat with him again, but yes, I'm in agreement with you. I hope that he does get that coveted adult beverage that he is, he is owed by his, significant other. Uh we're going to get on out of here. Thanks everybody for tuning in live. Thanks for listening after the fact. We appreciate it. We'll be back later this week to uh gosh, when are we going to do that? John, we're going to do Wednesday night this week. uh can't really do Might Thursday, right?
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: So we're probably going to have to call an audible here and do Wednesday night this this week to uh bring you a show to preview the Ravens game and then of course we'll do the post game show and all kinds of different stuff this week as it comes. So Take care, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in, John. Thank you, as always, my friend. And we will see you all very, very soon here at Cincy Jungle, the Orange and Black Insider, and at A to Z Sports. Take care, everybody. (laughs)
3: we <laughs> <laughs>